Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M.A. Box. Chapter 2. Seven Months Earlier. Raindrops splashed against the window of Detective Charles Parker's police car as he drove through the small town of Hanover, Georgia. He was working late tonight on last week's robbery case that took place at a small gas-and-go station on the corner. Someone in a mask came into the store, showed a weapon, and requested all of the money from the drawer. There were no cameras, and the evidence he found was slim. The stress level and the pressure to solve the case, however, kept him working through the night. The police radio in his car was a constant stream of conversation in the background and had been a soothing sound for him for the ten years he had been on the police force. It was the only sound in his life that he knew would always be there. 318 sounded from the speaker of the radio. This is 318. Go ahead, Charlie responded. We have a possible DB at 1050 South, 4689 West. Can you respond to that location? Squelched over the radio. The street signs were hard to read through the pouring rain, and the windshield wipers moving rapidly across the window were further blocking the view. A stream of water stayed fast to the windshield directly in front of his face, reminding him that he had again forgotten to replace the wipers, and he needed to remember to do that the following day. It was just one more thing on his to-do list. He felt at the moment that he was married to his job, and that it was probably an okay thing he didn't have someone waiting for him, or expecting more of him. He could just focus on his work. Lost in thought, he passed the road that he needed. Shit, he said, and turned the car around, getting back into the process of responding to a crime. He passed small houses on either side of the road. The neighborhood appeared to be well-kept and reminded him of a town neighborhood in an old western movie. There were street lights casting lights and shadows on the ground, revealing red brick houses with nicely shaped lawns and large front porches. A cat jumped into the road and immediately darted back as the headlights from his car revealed the gray and black stripes and the bright yellow glowing eyes. At the end of the road was a house with white painted wood siding that was peeling slightly around the corners and the bottom of the house. The lights were on in the kitchen and living room and one upstairs. The window upstairs was covered with a sheer curtain. The grass here was mowed, but lazily, and the lawn was not shaped. The flower beds were full of weeds and spiders, he assumed. An ambulance was still parked in front of the house, with two emergency responders standing next to it with the back door open, showing the bed and medical tools inside. Charlie turned off his car and slowly got out. He closed the door behind him and turned to face the emergency responders. Hey, Parker, one called. What do we have? Charlie asked. The emergency responder told him that it wasn't too dirty, but not a pretty sight either. Drowning. Charlie approached the front door and noticed that there were toys on the steps that appeared to belong to a small child. He entered the house and took in his surroundings. Part of his training taught him to be very observant of everything. Not just things that you would think were important, but even the small things nobody else would notice, like a napkin or maybe a hat that seemed out of place. He crossed the threshold into the living room. There was a berry scent in the room coming from a burning half-melted candle on a small side table near the stairs. There was a small television in the corner of the room, slightly covered in dust. There were movies and games in the stand that held the television and video game controller sitting in the middle of the floor. Two couches sat angled toward the television. They were gray and had markings of small handprints and remnants of food. There was a red blanket in the corner of one of the couches. Off to his right was a door that appeared to go into a small study with a computer on a desk. Straight ahead was the kitchen. There were a few dishes in the sink and a blue checkered hand towel on the counter. 
A small table sat in the corner of the kitchen with a half-finished puzzle on top of New York City. He could hear talking coming from the room off of the kitchen and crying. Right this way, Detective Parker, said the responding police officer. We found her in here. She was on her stomach when we arrived, but the EMTs turned her over to check for a pulse. The water was running too, but we shut that off, hoping not to flood the house. He walked up the stairs following the officer. The third step creaked slightly under his feet as he passed by pictures of what he assumed was the family. There was a large family picture in the center surrounded by smaller pictures of two young boys throughout their lives. At the top of the stairs, they turned toward the bathroom. The officer walked away and let Charlie in the room. Charlie thought about the first time he had ever seen a dead body at a crime scene. Upon entering the room, he had gotten weak in the knees and had felt his stomach roll. He had ran from the room just in time to vomit in the backyard of the house. There was something about unexpected death that made you sick. It didn't matter how big and tough you were. Despite what the movies sometimes show, it doesn't get a lot easier. Charlie would still get sick to his stomach, but was usually able to hold it down. Maybe that got easier, the learning not to puke part. The bathroom was small and decorated with fish, shells, and blue water. He didn't understand how there could be such a big market for fish decorations for the bathroom. It really didn't make sense to him, but it obviously made sense to someone. I guess maybe they assume that water and fish always go together. Charlie didn't think swimming in a pond reminded him of clean, which is what he wanted to be when he left his bathroom after a long soak. The bathtub was in the back part of the room. It was filled with water nearly to the top, and he could hear the slight draining of water through the overflow plate. A small young woman lay in the tub, her long brown hair flowing to the sides. He guessed she was probably in her twenties, and athletic. Charlie quickly took notice of the surroundings and the description of the victim. He wrote down some of the information that he noticed in a pocket-sized notebook that he carried. He still hadn't upgraded to the digital version, because he couldn't understand the technology and it seemed to make things harder. Knowing that the victim was already deceased and there was nothing more he could do with the body, he got on his radio and requested that a coroner respond to the scene. He knew he needed to wait before he proceeded, so he walked back down the steps, stepping over the third step that creaked when he came up and turned into the room where he heard voices. The room was a child's room. A small bed covered with a blue comforter ornamented with red cars was in the middle. There were toys in the corner and a red dresser with blue handles. On the bed sat a young man, Charlie guessed in his late twenties. He had tears coming from his eyes that dripped down to a yellow checkered blanket wrapped around a young child who was asleep in his arms. Next to him was a young boy, Charlie guessed maybe around five or six. He was playing with a dump truck and watching his dad. He didn't seem to know why all of the people were in his house and why his dad was crying. Across from them in a rocking chair sat a police officer. The officer welcomed Charlie and introduced him to the father, quickly standing up and offering Charlie his chair. Charlie motioned him to sit back down. Charlie talked to the father, asking him if there was some place for them to stay for the night, knowing it may be hard for them to stay there. We'll be at this for a while, he said. My parents are on their way and should be here in a couple of hours to help with the kids. They will probably get a hotel room, Derek said. Charlie knew that the best evidence and information comes immediately after a situation, and the quicker you can talk to the witnesses, the better you are at getting information. But after looking at the father and his two young sons, tonight Charlie didn't feel that would be the best decision for him to make. The family needed to grieve, and he didn't think they would offer a lot of information anyway. 
Charlie gave him his card and asked that he come down to the department tomorrow to talk when the kids were taken care of, and Derek agreed. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps. Thank you.